Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to tune into this podcast during this Easter season. We've been offering these online services every week since the first lockdown began. Each act of worship combines archive recordings of our choir and congregational singing with newly recorded readings, intercessions and sermons. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details in the accompanying text of how to do so. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples.
The Lord be with you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Please be seated. It's a great delight to welcome you to St. Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the fifth Sunday of Easter. Wherever you are in the world right now, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you're very much part of the St. Bride's family. We begin now with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Let us therefore rejoice by putting away all malice and evil and confessing our sins with a sincere and true heart. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of thy name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We stand for the Gloria.
Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, have overcome death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life, grant that as by your grace going before us, you put into our minds good desires, so by your continual help, we may bring them to good effect. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is taken from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, beginning at the 26th verse. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road, and he rose and went. And behold, an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a minister of the Candons, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture which he was reading was this. As a sheep led to the slaughter, or a lamb before its shearer is done, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? for his life is taken up from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, pray, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What is to prevent my being baptised? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptised him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught up Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing on he preached the gospel, to all the towns, till he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is taken from the first letter of John, chapter 4, beginning at the seventh verse. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the expiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No man has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his own spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we know and believe the love God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. In this is love perfected with us, that we may have the confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and he who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God should love his brother also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I love gardens. I really do. Few things give me greater delight than a beautifully and lovingly maintained garden. Paradoxically, I am also an absolutely rubbish gardener, as those who know me well can testify. The reason for this, or at least the explanation that I give to myself, is that it is not because I have no interest in gardening. Rather, it's because the shape of my life, or more specifically, the pattern of my free time, is such that I am really only fit for what I might turn the slash and burn approach to gardening. Let me illustrate what I mean by drawing a parallel with housework. I don't actually mind doing housework, but given the long and irregular working hours that I keep and the amount of things that I need to do during my rather limited time off, housework for me generally takes the form of the sporadic but comprehensive blitz rather than a continual and steady round of more low-level cleaning and tidying. Unfortunately, as I know to my cost, that kind of approach really doesn't work in the context of gardening because living things need much more regular and constant attention in order to flourish or even survive. And little and often is a far more appropriate pattern of care than absolute neglect for a very long period, followed by a sudden and short-lived burst of extensive activity. I do remember very occasionally that plants need to be watered, 
by which time it's already far too late for some of the more thirsty specimens which have withered and died before I've even reached for the watering can. So in general, my track record with keeping things alive in the garden is not great. But partly for that very reason, I do find that some of the gardening metaphors used in scripture, particularly those that relate to the life of faith, do speak to me very persuasively. And this morning's gospel is no exception. Today's passage from St. John's Gospel addresses the interesting issue of pruning. The interesting thing about pruning, as our text points out, is that it has a twofold purpose, both to cut away that which is dead and bears no fruit, but also to cut back that which is fruitful, to enable it to bear more fruit. I am, on the whole, rather better at tending the garden of my own spiritual life than I am looking after my own actual garden, precisely because I do attend to it on a daily basis. I set, about aside, I set aside about an hour each day for spiritual reading, reflection, and prayer. I probably find it easier to maintain that particular discipline because it feels to be such an integral part of my working life rather than merely a leisure activity, which is how I tend to view gardening. And in relation to one's spiritual life, the metaphor of pruning is both interesting and challenging because the fact that we need a measure of pruning does not necessarily mean that we recognize our need to be pruned there may be parts of our lives and indeed parts of our souls that have become desiccated and arid and moribund over time and we need to be shot of them. But we remain attached to them and it can sometimes take an active and brave decision to be able to recognise the dead wood in our lives for what it is and to choose to bid it farewell. It may be hopes or ambitions that remain unfulfilled which we need to relinquish because they weigh it down. But letting go means abandoning a dream that we may once have held dear. And it is not always easy to do that. And perhaps more challenging still is the occasional need for us to allow those parts of ourselves that are still alive and fruitful to be put to the pruning shears. The things that outwardly at least appear to be going well, that enable us to feel comfortable, perhaps to the point of complacency. And those can be really hard to give up. But in truth, if God is actually trying to call us to something different, they too may be distracting our attention and draining our energy. Some of you may have heard me speak before of my amazing friend Maggie, whom I've known for about 35 years. Maggie has lived for many years in a little terrace house in a very run-down area of Hartlepool, which she runs as a house of prayer. She lives a very simple life, and she has the most astonishing ministry to people of all ages 
who live in her neighbourhood, precisely the kinds of people who would never normally darken the doors of a church. I have learnt many important things from Maggie over the years. In fact, I used to go and see her whenever I felt that I might be losing touch with what the gospel really is about, because I've always found her so clear-sighted, perhaps because of the sheer simplicity of her life. Anyway, I can remember her once telling me a story about a particular project she was running that outwardly appeared to be very successful and was bringing all kinds of results in its wake. And yet, she had been brave enough to have taken the decision, after a profound time of reflection, to rein it in. And the reason that she did that was, to quote her own words, it was getting too complicated. The problem with complicated is that the more complex the situation, the easier it is to lose your focus, to lose sight of what you are doing this thing for, to allow your priorities to become distorted. And she taught me a very significant lesson in the process. Our first reading this morning from the book of Acts is the story of the conversion and baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch as a result of his meeting with the Apostle Philip. Consider that story from Philip's viewpoint for a moment. The young Christian community in Jerusalem is being subject to savage persecution. Philip has gone down to Samaria where he has proclaimed the Messiah to the people there with remarkable results, leading to a, an abundance of signs and miracles. But an angel of the Lord then says to him, get up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which we are told was a wilderness road. In other words, Philip is told to leave the place where he has apparently been so successful to head off instead, instead into no man's land. He does so, and it is there that he is directed to go up to the Ethiopian, who is seeking help, although not actually asking for it. Philip interprets the scriptures for him, which leads the Ethiopian to ask for baptism, at which point the spirit, spirits, Philip away. So what does this story say to me? The natural human instinct is always to stick with success, to stay where the results can be seen. But in this story, Philip is taken away from all of that and directed instead to the wilderness, into the unknown. Once there, he takes the risk of addressing a man whom he encounters, who is in need of him, although Philip cannot know that in advance. The, the, the Ethiopian's conversion is instantaneous and extraordinary, and yet Philip does not even have the chance to bask in the success of that triumphant missionary encounter because he is whisked off again, because the spirit is forever on the move. In relation to the things of God, we can never afford to be complacent. Sometimes we need to see even our successes trimmed so that new life and new growth can follow. 
Our second reading from the first letter of John contains what are, for me, perhaps the most important five words in the whole of the New Testament. Perfect love casts out fear. So much of what is wrong in our world and dysfunctional within our own lives and within our relationships has fear at its root. Our fears about the future, our fear of being found wanting or of being found out, our fear of other people, what they think about us, what they say about us. That is why it is so often precisely those who feel most weak and inadequate who turn into life's bullies, craving power over others, needing to impress or to dominate or to control or to instill fear or even to wound in order to keep their own deep-seated fears at arm's length. If only we can be freed to recognize that we are valued and loved for who and what we are, then we are free to leave behind, to let God prune away all that hinders our growth, our real growth, our growth as human beings and as children of God. And sometimes we need to be reminded that we are totally and utterly loved and accepted, especially when we feel like it least to be able to flourish. This Tuesday just passed, the Church of England calendar commemorated the Victorian poet and woman of profound Christian faith, Christina Rossetti. Her poem entitled, A Better Resurrection, contains the following verse, which speaks of what she describes as the hidden sap of spring within her. A sap of spring that will burst into life even when she feels her life is no more than a faded leaf. I shall leave you with her words. My life is like a faded leaf. My harvest dwindled to a husk. Truly my life is void and brief and tedious in the barren dusk. My life is like a frozen thing. No bud nor greenness can I see. Yet rise it shall, the sap of spring. O Jesus, rise in me. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. 
On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory, to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have promised to hear the prayers of those who ask in faith. Nurture and strengthen your church in all its branches, that through faith and love we might bring forth good fruit. Enlighten our bishops, priests and deacons, that they may be wise in their teachings, honourable in their decisions and humble in their service. Lord, in your mercy. Hear, Hear our, our prayer. prayer. Direct the nations of the world and all who govern them to justice and peace. Protect all who live in fear or danger, in poverty or hunger, whose homes and livelihoods have been lost and whose families have been dispersed in the pursuit and fallout of power. Bless all nations as together we fight the pandemic. Particularly, we pray for our brothers and sisters suffering in India. Strengthen us in our duty of care for one another. Our duty to the creatures which inhabit the land, sea and sky, and our duty to maintain the life and precious resources of the planet. Lord, in your mercy. Hear, hear our prayer. Guide us in our daily lives to be ambassadors of your love. Bless all the members of St. Bride's, all who worship in word and music and song, all who witness in action and compassion, all who sustain in prayer and in charity. Bless all who make up this community here on Fleet Street, and all who extend your ministry across cities and nations. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. Comfort all who are suffering in body, mind, or in spirit. Strengthen all who are undergoing treatment and those who are waiting for appointments. Calm their anxieties. Praying thanks for all doctors, surgeons, nurses, carers, and ancillary staff. We pray your blessings on them and on their families for their commitment and their vocations. 
bless all who are suffering the effects of COVID-19 and those with long-term sickness. Bless all who love and care for them and comfort those whose lives are drawing to a close. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. Giving thanks for all those whose life is now done, we commend them to your loving care. For those whose anniversaries fall at this time, for those recently departed, and all who have passed away this past night, giving thanks for the love and lives that they have shared, we pray for all who miss their presence, but cherish the memories in their hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. We offer our prayers through Christ, the vine, source of life and strength. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? The risen Christ came and stood among his disciples and said, Peace be with you. Then were they glad when they saw the Lord. Alleluia. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Let us pray. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise, Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. But chiefly we are bound to praise you because you raised him gloriously from the dead. For he is the true Paschal Lamb who was offered for us and has taken away the sin of the world. By his death he has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercy. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. Let us pray. 
Merciful Father, you gave your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the Good Shepherd and, in his love for us, to lay down his life and rise again. Keep us always under his protection and give us grace to follow in his steps. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.